Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, with Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And at the moment, I have Lady Hyde still on Tubi and a few other streaming channels. Uh, we have Emmanuel in Sin City, which has been uh, passed because of content by Tubi and and Amazon Prime. It's a little too uh, extreme for their tastes. I guess the uh, sex and violence was a little too high, but, you know, making an Emmanuel film, you've got to expect that. So I am going the Blu-ray and DVD route and having those manufactured as we speak. So if you're interested in ordering either the Blu-ray or DVD Follow the Franco Observer podcast page on Instagram or my name, Jason Rudy, on Facebook uh, or Franco Observer podcast on Facebook and uh, drop me a message and I'll get with you and tell you how to order one of those if you so choose. Or also I'm going to be putting out Lady Hyde on Blu-ray and DVD and uh, those will be out in the next few weeks as I record this. Um, This is a redo of the beginning because... I have found that a new mic cable that I bought um, a few weeks ago and recorded, I think about, it started messing up on episode 133. So 133, 134, 135, and 136. Uh, Those four episodes, it's weird. If you listen on a single speaker, like through your phone or something, um, it sounds real garbled and uh, inaudible. And I, people didn't tell me that on the first two episodes. So I wish, uh, if you ever hear a problem with any of the sound quality, please feel free to drop me a message on Instagram if you follow the Franco Observer Podcast, and I will be quick to check it out and fix it. Um, so I guess a few episodes went, I noticed my numbers have been not as strong as they were. So instead of people reaching out and telling me there was a problem, it had to wait a few episodes until... Uh, a friend of mine said, hey, uh, I was listening to episode 136, and the first half is messed up, but the second half is fine. So I went back and listened, and when I listened through it on my soundbar speaker plugged into my computer, it sounds fine. But when I unplug that and listen out of just the single speaker on my computer, it sounds garbled and inaudible. So it's weird. So I'm traced it back to that mic cable that I bought, which was supposed to be like this gold mic cable deal, and it's just junk. So uh, going through back and recording it the old school way uh, through the mixer and mono and then mixing it after like we did in the past. Um, So yeah, that's what we're doing on this. So I'm going to go ahead and redo the beginning of this episode 137, and from there on, um, it should be fine after that. So I'm going to go back to old school way and uh, use my backup mic and backup cables and, like I said, go through the mixer and do it like we used to do it. So sorry about that, folks. Um, As you know, I do this every week for free. So, uh, yeah, if you ever have a problem, get a hold of me and let me know uh, if things are messing up. So, all right, well, there we are on that. So, yeah, this is a redo. Uh, The second half of the episode, uh, myself and Teresa recorded it, and that sounds fine, so... I'm going to go back and redo the opening part of this, uh, episode 137, film 146. Entre pitos andel juego. 
between pricks walks the game. And we're not talking about Triple H the game. Uh, we're talking about the game of Alina Arome. So, all right. This is, of course, in Jess Franco's pornography period, which is not my favorite period of his films because his porn films are just very comical and uh, non-erotic, really, and just kind of goofy. So, All right, here we go. Entre Pitos and de Juego, Spanish theatrical title. Between Pricks Walks the Game. Uh, Spain, 1985. Production company, Fervi Films, out of Madrid. Theatrical distributor, Cooperativa Cinematografía del Distribuón. Timeline on this. Uh, shooting date, Barcelona, December 9th. I'm sorry, shooting date, 1985. And it played Barcelona, uh, December 9th, 1985. Following that, it played Madrid, July 7th of 1986. Theatrical running time, Spain, 70 minutes. The DVD running time converted. Uh, the interview PAL DVD, 68 minutes, 20 seconds. So yeah, it's not a long film, just a little over an hour, which helps. All right, director of this is Mr. Jess Franco, of course. Uh, here he's billed as Lulu Laverne, which, of course, is uh, uh, Lena's character in the last film, Lena's uh, Lulu's asshole. Uh, writers, Jess Franco as Lulu Laverne and Lena Romay as Lulu Laverne. Director of photography, of course, Jess Franco as Pitotis. That's fine. Music, uh, Daniel White. It's like a greatest hits deal. It's Pablo Vila. Laboratory, Cinematagro River. Uh, sound recording and film editing, Arcofone. Uncredited executive producer, Fernando Vidal Campos. And editors, Jess Franco and Alina Romay. Oh, yeah. Before I go any further, of course, always give credit. All information from the making of this is from the book, Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, a volume two by Mr. Stephen Thrower, of course. Volume two is still in print. Volume one is out of print, but I hear they're making a redo of it, so that's probably why it's went out of print. Uh, let's see. Cast on this, Lena Rome as Candy Coster, and she plays the character of Candy. Mabel Escano, billed as Sandra Pitosa. She plays Lola, Candy's best friend. Jose Lamas, billed as Paco Jones, plays a young male friend of Candy, number one. Diego Porta as Pepe Poyolet. Uh, of course, they all use fake names for being in pornos. Uh, he plays the young male friend of Candy, number two. Uh, Concha Montes as Mona Lisa. <laughs> well, that's a real name. Uh, she plays Minona, a dominatrix. Jose Miguel Garcia Marfa, billed as Evaristo Picales, plays Candy's husband. And finally, Corinne Dorr, with no alias, plays Lola's maid. It's funny, of all these people, she's the only one that didn't change her name. Okay, synopsis, pretty brief here. Candy is frustrated because her husband has grown completely uninterested in sex. Accompanied by a girlfriend, she embarks on a series of sexual adventures. A foursome, a lesbian threesome, an orgy. And she discovers why he's become so unresponsive. All right, here's a review by Stephen Thrower. Another largely forgot, forgettable hardcore film, Entre Pitos Anda El Juego, has precisely one point of interest a scene in which Lina Rome and Mabel Escano chatter endlessly while sucking two penises at the same time, which is a pretty funny scene. 
Draco himself drew attention to this with some pride in an interview in Cannes in 1992, and while it's hardly recent enough to see this movie, it does at least show his malicious sense of humor. The scene in question plays like two girlfriends at a social evening catching up with each other's gossip while helping themselves to an all-you-can-suck buffet. Yeah, the all-you-can-suck buffet, that's like uh, the Golden Corral, I guess, or the Golden Oral. <laughs> the Golden Oral, I like that. Yeah, I just made it. Uh, even when the young men arch themselves around to perform cunnilingus, not conilingus, but cunnilingus, the incessant prattle continues. I love dirty jokes. It's only while fucking that the women even acknowledge what the men are doing. The humor stems from the way the males are portrayed as essentially dildos with a pulse, which could have been the source not just of laughs, but a certain callous eroticism. However, the implied contempt remains under undeveloped, and an S&M interlude later is quickly abandoned without further exploration of Franco's underlying misandry. So, in the absence of anything else to talk about in Entrepitos Anda El Juego, let's just bring it out into the open. Franco expressed in numerous interviews and reiterated to me personally, Stephen Thrower, his feelings that women are superior to men. He told Javier Gonzalez de Mendoza and Javier Figueroa of Film Facts magazine, women are the best in the world. I was intellectually educated by my older sister, who was an extraordinary writer and philosopher. She's the woman who taught me everything. I accept female superiority. I believe women are humanity's motor. My entire filmography is an homage to feminine characters. Judging by the films, he also brought in... I'm sorry. Judging by the films, he also bought into the misandrous notion of male sexuality as mindless, animalistic, inferior, against which female sexuality is seen as sensitive, intelligent, and superior. This binary opposition comes to us via Christian ideas about sex as something bestial and degrading, and the need for it as repugnant and shameful, although such ideas persist well beyond the boundaries of religious thought. Stephen Koch, analyzing misandry in the films of Andy Warhol and Paul Morrissey, has this to say on the subject. The mythology of misandry is dominated by images of animalism. Standard epitaphs include such random examples as a dumb ox, a big ape, a beast. This tradition reaches its fulfillment when some members of the women's movement, in their search for a new humanism, see fit to describe half the human race as pigs. Simian comparisons proceed from the large frame and masculine body hair. One hears about brute strength in its contemporary and secular versions. The tradition is very anxious to assert female sexuality as something real. Yet, the sexuality is always understood to be ethically superior to that of men. It is tender and loving and gentle while that of the still debased, sensual, and animalistic male is brutal and selfish. It follows that if men are bestial with their endless, obscene lusting, then women are higher beings, free from the urgings of desire. In Franco's cinema, women frequently exploit male arousal while remaining unaroused themselves. Sax Romer's Sumuro novels, loosely adapted by Franco in The Girl from Rio, 1968, explicitly trade in this notion. 
Take, for instance, The Sins of Sumuru, 1950, in which the gorgeous villainess addresses the hero Maitland. Yes, men desire me. Once it might have amused me to permit those bearded lips to humble themselves upon my body, but I conquered such impulses long, long ago. I sometimes surrender myself out of curiosity or to gain my ends. That ancient Roman who exhausted his passion upon an ivory statue experienced at least as much rapture as my lovers. And yet filthy, conniving male desire will always find a way. Amen. It flourishes in Franco's films in the form of masochism. The man accepts the description of his desire as low and unworthy, or at least performs as if he does. The women, meanwhile, suitably attired in costumes chosen by the male fantasist for maximum sadomasochistic thrills, must be cold, aloof, able to switch desire on and off while remaining unsullied by the need for sex. This is the formulation that persists through many Franco films. We see it in The Diabolical Dr. Z, Venus in Furs, and She Killed in Ecstasy. We see it again as the seduction of deathly desire in Female Vampire. And this sex-starved schmucks served up as figures of scorn in Downtown and Pickup Girls, the hapless victims of drug-induced lust in Blue Rita and Esclavas de Crimen, the incestuously lovelorn brother who commits murder for another taste of his icy, manipulative sister in Bloody Moon, or the meat puppet males of Antrepitos Anda El Juego studiously ignored by their chattering girlfriends during group sex. Sadomasochism, by playing along with the hierarchy of sexes, turns inferiority into a power circuit, dishing out pleasure. In the sins of Sumuru, we hear, The chains that have bound him to Sumuru were silken chains, but nevertheless unbreakable. Sumuru employed the beauty of women to secure the serfdom of men. And, although already in spirit, Donovan was stretching out his hand to welcome the same servitude. Rumor's exclamation marks tell their own story here. If religion is obsessed with a superior spiritual truth that transcends marital existence, earthly desires counters with a sense of play, introverting and ironizing power structures and milking them for the very genesis they attempt to repress. Franco, however, eventually tires of the male masochist, at least as a figure to depict on screen. Instances of male victimization fade to be replaced by female victims and female perpetrators. This is an admirable this is an admirably concise reductio. Men are so vile and disgusting that they don't even deserve to be the masochist object of a superior female. And besides, he would assert in girl-on-girl action is hotter. The final blip on the radar occurs in Flores de Perversion, 2003, in which male victims return for a last hurrah, only to be castrated in a sequence that delivers the final destination for a fantasy of male self-loathing. None of the hardcore films Franco made in the 80s possess this raw, spontaneous urgency that speaks of genuine lust. Everyone is just putting on a show. There's no sense of the performers actually getting into what they're doing. One suspects that as soon as they heard the word cut, the cast went straight back to their crosswords and their knitting. As for Franco himself, his interest lies in the slow reveal, the drawn-out tease. His favorite 
erotic archetype is the sexy dancer with her language of arousal and deferral. Now you see it, now you don't. It's little wonder that he arrives at the unadorned sex act itself, not with relish, but with boredom, nor that he fails to communicate arousal. Between Franco's disdain and Romay's lust for the comical, taste for the comical, the, porn, the pornographic holy grail of wild passion never stood a chance. All right. Uh, Spanish, theatrical re- Spanish theatrical release of this. After a two-week stint in Madrid in July of 1986, Entre Pitos Ande Luego popped up again in the capital for a week over the 1986 Christmas period. <laughs> nice, I played Christmas. Then bounced back for another week, each in June 87 and August 1989. In Barcelona, it played for four weeks straight in December 1985, running through to January 1986 after which it disappeared until November 1986 when it played for a further fortnight. Music, a selection of tracks from older Franco films. And locations, shot in Benidorm Hotel interiors only. Posters for The Beatles and Jean-Michel Haré have been stuck on the walls to suggest that these rooms are apartments, a most economical form of set dressing, which I do myself. In my films. Uh, connections. The title is a play on Entre Pilos Ande El Juego, the Spanish theatrical title for John Landis's Trading Places. That's one of the things I love about this film is that he basically did that on Trading Places, and I didn't even know that. It's, it's so awesome. So, all right. Well, that's the introduction period portion for this episode, episode 137, film 146, Entre Pilos Ande El Juego. Uh, hang out past the break, and you'll hear myself and uh, second-time guest, Miss Teresa Plaza, talk about this film. Uh, and it's a very fun conversation, so stick around, because uh, she had quite the experience watching this and was traumatized by this film. So hang out, and he'll hear her uh, talk about this or in not-so-glowing terms. All right. Buenas noches, maha. All right, we are back with the review portion of episode 137, film 146, Entre Pitos Anda El Juego, also known as Between Pricks Walks the Game. And uh, somebody that went on this walk with me for this episode is my dear friend and collaborator, Teresa. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, so, um, today uh, is a very interesting episode because um, my friend came over and uh, she was game enough to watch this film with me and... Um, She's a little more traumatized, I think, by it than I was, but um, she wrote some notes, which is awesome, and she had a lot of observations, which is great. This is the Franco Observer podcast, and she's laughing, so that's always good. Uh, sometimes when you go through trauma, you kind of laugh to you know, hide the pain. So, um, oh, I'm not yeah. hiding the pain. I'm sitting in trauma right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's good. It's good. It's good to talk. It's, it's, it's good to have feelings, and it's good to share emotions, you know. So, um, Miss Teresa, what, in a quick nutshell, 
not no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> did you think of this film? Um, well, this is my very no my second uh, Jess Franco movie that I've ever watched. The first one was Bahia Blanco, which you know it had a very compelling storyline and you know a very complex characters and um, it was you know an adult drama. And then this is my second Jess Franco movie, and it was a complete 180 to what I experienced. Um, the storyline was very different, and this was a very much an, a pornographic movie, yes. and I, I wasn't I wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was I was I, I I'm always totally. Um, clear and, and totally transparent about everything so I, I i told her hey you know thanks for trusting me to come over to my house and sit down and watch this film with me um as we're doing a review of it but uh yeah you know it's i'm always game if somebody uh has the you know trust and the uh you know competence to take that voyage even mm-hmm. though it's a rocky voyage sometimes yeah but also um it's very different from the pornography that I'm used to. I'm I'm not a huge porn fan, but um, yeah, I don't watch porn with storylines. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I guess also, you know, the time frame is was different. Cause, yeah, yeah, you know, this was filmed back in the eighties. So, yeah, yeah. So you got the you got the eighties Bush, but also you know you got the hairy assholes yeah. <laughs> and whatnot, and hemorrhoids. So, yeah, and hemorrhoids. Yeah, there were hemorrhoids in the movie. Um, so it was just a lot to take in um, aesthetically, uh, not just with the the storyline. The storyline was interesting. I feel like all the characters need therapy, <laughs> but yeah. you know, um, it is a porn, and it is you know they're doing what they got to do because you know it's the genre. Yeah. So I respect that. Uh, but definitely aesthetically, it's uh, not what I go to. So I, I know for me, like, I can appreciate the movie for what it is. But if we're talking about it being porn, um, it's definitely not something that I found sexually enticing or erotic. Uh, for me, it was just kind of cringy here and there, uh, kind of cheesy here and there. But it was entertaining. It was different. Um, yeah. It was definitely... An experience, especially you know, stepping outside of what I normally find attractive and whatnot. So, I mean, it was it was educational, especially when you're looking at it from like a film analysis or even looking at it from a filmography type of perspective. Because I, you know, I was only familiar with Jess Franco's movie i saw Bahia Bahia blanco and yeah. that was you know it was completely different aesthetic completely different genre uh even though it was also you know had some of the same actors well i know lena romay yeah. was for sure was a, a repeat actor for this um it was also very different to see lena romay in this movie for me because again my very first movie with her was Bahia blanco and she was mute in that movie and uh in that movie you know she was very pure and like almost wholesome in that movie and then i see her in this and she's hypersexual and you know her husband's cheating on her but she's cheating on him at the same time and uh you know you see her going at it with soft dicks um and having conversations with her best friend while they're having group sex so it it was just interesting it was very awkward like for me also um just watching the like some of the group sex scenes 
like when they have the dicks in their mouth like it, it didn't even seem like anybody was really enjoying what they're doing it just it felt like they just had some dicks in their mouth and it was like like what we we're t- talking about when we we're watching the movie it felt like they were at a diner you know having some milkshakes and just yeah. sucking on the straws a bit but obviously the straws would be like the dicks and this yeah. uh so yeah it was just very is interesting for what it was yeah yeah well that's that's good and and like i was saying you know even if you have trauma or have any kind of a feeling afterwards at least you felt something from mm-hmm. it and however good or bad it is um yeah I, i'm pretty much on board with you through that whole thing as well um although compared to lulu's asshole uh the film before this uh both films i liked because of the dialogue is one of the f- better things in the film when the other action and the other stuff is not apparent and not really enticing or anything i was laughing and what's weird is this one and the other uh, film, you know, uh, Franco, <coughs> excuse me, um, take a quick drink here. Franco almost has like a no idea how to make a porn because he's using too much comedy and funny things. And it's the same as mixing horror with porn. You can't really mix comedy and porn because you could do it in between but not during the sex scenes because it kills the mood or kills mm-hmm. the eroticism in, in the situation and uh, mm-hmm. it takes you out of the moment you know and, and that was a lot of that going on with this the especially that opening scene which mm-hmm. we'll get to in a minute but um, but yeah the, the the dialogue in here was just really funny and it was just bizarre and I don't know if it was improv or if it was scripted or what but uh, I don't know they definitely talked a lot mm-hmm. and uh, even if some of the characters, mentioned it like dude just shut up and start sucking or whatever yeah. you know the stuff was which was pretty funny um so yeah let's let's get on with how it goes which is basically uh four different setups here the first one opens with uh, lena and her husband and uh they're laying in bed and uh, he's sleeping naked which you had mentioned that you were wondering why he was sleeping naked and if he didn't want to have sex why was he sleeping naked you know mm-hmm. and so they're kind of laying together and, and she bends over and shows him her asshole and uh trying to like almost referencing the last film like oh look at my little boot and stuff and she was mm-hmm. using the little oh yeah uh talk about lena's voice in this to you uh well again uh my first movie with her she was mute right uh so she was very different um she was very vocal in this movie uh she talked a lot in a baby voice doing a lot of baby talk which was kind of obnoxious to me because one you could tell that's not her natural voice right um and two it was just kind of weird with uh, the baby talking baby voice because I, I just didn't find it sexually enticing maybe that's a fetish for other people but for me just watching it and hearing it i, I was yeah it, yeah <laughs> it rubbed you the wrong way so to speak yeah um, and oh. then the hairy assholes. I'm sorry. The hairy assholes and the hemorrhoids. I can't get past that. <laughs> too much information. Like, That's I get it was a different time frame. But, yeah. That's oh, funny. man, it was just too much information. Uh, one thing I liked in the very beginning was um, in their apartment, um, they went through and didn't really worry about copyright. They keeps cutting to a picture of the Beatles a few times uh, when they're in bed together. And then there's a uh, Elvis uh, Aloha from Hawaii album that's on the wall. And also he has the fold-out uh, four-panel uh, album of uh, Rolling Stone's Emotional Rescue, which I was laughing because uh, with the um, X-ray, kind of a uh, heat vision of the faces. So he really didn't care about the copyrights of the Rolling Stones 
and which it has actually a couple of years after too. So that's funny. And the Beatles that they broke up in 1970. This movie's 85. So it was weird. He was showing all these. And there's also a picture of uh, the skull with a kind of like a bird skull. I don't know what that's from. It's, it's some film, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that 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 was kind of funny to me in the beginning, just showing all this copyrighted material that you know nowadays would get him in trouble. You know. But, uh, yeah, so we have Lena and her husband first, and uh, they're in bed together, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with her, and she thinks he's cheating on him. So uh, she goes immediately and uh, has sex with two guys. and um, No, she tells them to wash their dicks first. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that <laughs> uh, before she has sex with them. Uh, she says, oh, you need to wash your dicks first. And he goes, oh, she's a capitalist. And uh, they what win them. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. And then, so, so then I thought they were going to just not have sex. And then she just kind of sits there. I'm like, oh, they just left her. But then she comes back and, uh, she, uh, starts with them. And, uh, before her friend comes in, she does the two dicks in the mouth. Well, first she starts pushing the dicks together and rubbing them against each other. Like she's trying to start a fire or something, mm-hmm. two sticks. And, uh, then she puts them in her mouth. And I mentioned that she looks like a walrus with their tusks sticking out of her mouth. Yeah. Um, but Lena's got a big mouth, I think, to put, even though they're floppy di- yeah. dicks, not discs, floppy dicks in her yeah. mouth. Uh, that's kind of impressive, I guess. Yeah, it was just uh, very floppy and flaccid. So yeah. um, you could tell that the actors were struggling to perform. Right. I don't blame them, though, because, you know, having a lot of that gossip and dialogue going on, especially when her best friend walks in on her. Yeah. Um, sucking the the penises of those two men like it, it turns into like girl talk time like i know if i was a man and a girl just wanted to keep talking or like just start having a conversation with her friend who just walks in i know i'm not going to even be able to perform or even like maintain an erection and um even watching like the men after they get their dick sucked and like they're all just like having group sex you could tell that like one of the guys he just looked like malnourished and hungry he, yeah. he was like barely thrusting and uh one guy was trying but it just seemed like it just seemed like everybody was just sitting there just trying to get their screen time and just wanting to get the scene over with that way you know they could like have some credits to their imdb page <laughs> well i mean the imdb didn't exist back then but i know right. like i know for me if it was me like in doing a movie like that um i would just want to dissociate from my body and just try to get it over with i know that sounds terrible <laughs> no and that's a common thing it's yeah. it's not something that's not un- unfounded yeah. or, or without merit you know um, yeah, during that scene with the two of them, her friend comes in and joins her, and uh, mm-hmm. I was laughing because she mentions Robert Redford. Oh, you have a tongue like Robert Redford, mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty funny. They keep doing that, and mm-hmm. and they start to try to kiss each other as the guys are like fucking them both from behind, mm-hmm. and it looked like they were going to bump their teeth or smash their faces mm-hmm. together. It looked kind of yeah. awkward. You but know? but even then, to me, the there was a lack of chemistry with the actors. Yeah. Because um, even when there was the lesbian scene between. Uh, Lena's character and her best friend and then the the maid comes in later on um, yeah there's just no chemistry like you'd see one would try to lean in for a kiss yeah. and then the other would like pull away or move their head a different way and then that one would try to lean in for a kiss and the other one would just move the other way so there, it was just it was just hard to follow um, as, as a storyline but also with the acting and then even like as porn itself it was just it was just hard to get into yeah but I'm, i mean well at least it, it was, was hard for you to get into because the guys on the screen weren't hard so i mean that was you know 
Most of them were not hard. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I said, I, said, I said at least it was hard for you to get into because it wasn't hard for them because they were uh, hard. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so we have the first scene with Lena and the two guys. turns into Lena and her friend and the two guys we talked about, and they're, and they're doing everything. And then finally one of the guys uh, busts a load on her friend's crack, and that goes into that scene. And then Lena, uh, I think Lena licks the guy's cum or whatever, or whatever. And then she goes home to her husband in the second scene, and she like kisses him in bed. But she she was already told by her best friend that her husband was cheating on her. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that's something I left out because, and then it was during the sex thing, which is funny. Oh, we won't get to that in the end, but let's just say her friend knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Lena kisses her husband, and then she uh, performs oral sex on her husband, and uh, I guess. Even though it doesn't show his cum shot, it just kind of like she does the deep. Th- it's funny they keep trying to cash in on deep throat because he's like, oh, deep, deep, deep throat. I was laughing when she was going down on him. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Lena's oral skills, too, I was very in these last two films. Lena's not very. Um, she improves her moves as the film goes on, but she's very mechanical in her blowjob technique. And the first first two gals in the first scene going back to that. They just kind of go up and down. They don't really do a lot of variety with their technique. They just, mm-hmm. they're almost like a one-trick pony, you know? I, I wouldn't say one-trick pony. I would just say, to me, when I looked at all of them, I just didn't think any of them were experienced. I feel like all of them need to learn how to suck dicks better. I feel like all of them need to learn how to eat pussy better, if yeah. you ask me. Because, yeah, I wasn't impressed with Lena Romay's skills at all. I wasn't impressed with her friend's skills at all. I wasn't impressed with any of the guy's skills at all. Yeah. And none of the dicks were big either, so I was also let down by that. But besides the fact that, you know, they were floppy. Yeah. So, and, I mean, <laughs> um, and yeah. depending on one's movie, taste, definitely yeah, foreskin too. Yeah, didn't really do much for me, unfortunately. And, again, I still can't get over the hairy assholes and the hemorrhoids. <laughs> and it's funny, as, as so the viewers at home, as she's saying that she's kind of rocking back and forth, almost like a trauma patient, where they're like, yeah, okay, I got to do this, I got to do that, which is funny. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so we have Lena and her husband in the second scene. Uh, and then after that, she goes to visit her friend Lola again, and uh, Lola's maid. And uh, Lola's sitting there uh, knitting some kind of a thing, and uh, the maid's walking around. Um, oh, yeah, uh, so... Um, what was the maid wearing again? The maid was wearing some booty shorts, like denim booty shorts, and or Daisy Dukes, whatever you want to call them. Right. And she had no top on, but she did have an apron on, and she just uh, and she had like a, a short bob, but it was like an '80s haircut, and she had uh, you know like the '80s makeup going on, and she just had that sassy yet very nonchalant attitude, and she was just walk in and out of the scenes. Um, with a little duster, just dusting things, yeah. which was fine. But I guess she decided to join in when there was the lesbian action uh, between L- uh, Lena Romay and her best friend. Because I, I guess Lena, what, even though she was already told by her best friend about the cheating, she decides to go up to her best friend and be like, oh, he's cheating on me, even though he never really even said out loud, I'm cheating on you. Right. It was just her sucking her husband's dick and then next scene she's like oh my husband's cheating on me so as an audience member i'm just yeah. like where is this coming from because the only person who confirmed was a best friend and you know it's just she heard it through the grapevine event essentially so then she's like crying to her best friend and then they're like comparing boobs and nipples with each other Good and call. then and then they're like comparing it to the mystery mistress like uh, of the, her husband like comparing the boobs to that and so that was just kind of weird because like 
as an audience member, you have no context of who this mystery character is. And then, yeah, and so then they just start having um, some lesbian sex together, and then the maid decides to come in, and she's just being all, like, sassy and nonchalant, and she's, like, dusting the, the furniture, and you know, she goes in and out of the scene, and then the, the maid decides to join in, and she starts dusting. So, I don't know. To me, that's just, like, a... I guess some for some people, that might be, like, a sexual fetish, seeing, like, the feather dusters, but I don't know. It, me, I was just looking at that, and it was just more of a hygiene thing. Like, why would you... Yeah. <laughs> why would you want to dust someone after... It, it make them dirty like that. I don't know. Yeah, spread the dust. I mean, yeah. It, and then, and then um, when they're all eating each other out, it was kind of weird. Like you see Lena Ramey like testing out the waters with her friend's puss, right? But she's not even really doing anything. She just like rests her tongue on top of the puss, right? And she's yeah. like, "Oh, that's not bad." It like, yeah, like she's tasting soup it. for the first time. And then, um, yeah, and then they're just going at it, but like. And sometimes you see um, the tongues make contact with the puss. Um, other times you just you can see that their face there's like a gap between their face and the puss, so they're not even making contact sometimes. So it wasn't very consistent with the performance. So I was kind of let down by that. And um, yeah, there's a lot of up close, um, a lot of close ups of the puss yeah. so, of all their pusses actually. So I mean, if you like that, that's cool. Um, but if you don't like bush, uh, be warned. There's a lot of bush. And if, if you're not into hemorrhoids, uh, be warned because there's some close-ups of, the, of hemorrhoids coming out of the ass. It was um, a female, right, that had the hemorrhoids? It was one like of a, the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hemorrhoids are normal. People get them. But, you know, watching a porn, you're expecting a fantasy, right? And so um, when you see things like that, it's just hard to appreciate the fantasy (laughs) so i don't know like for me um as a female viewer or even if i was a male viewer i i just i just couldn't get aroused by watching it i was just i felt uncomfortable (laughs) watching it to be honest (laughs) Uh, that's that's very fair which you know i I totally understand which of course with your body language with your hoodie pulled up and and sitting with your legs (laughs) tight and your arms wrapped around your knees that's definitely you know Word, uh, that's the uh, unspoken language. So, you know, that's totally red. But yeah, but uh, no, but it, but uh, yeah. So going back to the threesome with the maid. Um, yeah, you'd mentioned the feather duster, and and you know it's almost like doing the tickling the ass with a feather thing, which is nice and it feels good. But a, f- a dirty feather duster with dust from dusting a candelabra and, and the. But maybe there are people who enjoy that and who you know find that attractive. But me personally, it just. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I mean, that that's an old cliched erotic character like, oh, the maid, you know, the mm-hmm. the sexy French maid or whatever, you know. But uh, but yeah. And also, too, uh, back to her. She was the one that looked like uh, 80s fashion while Lena and Lola were like totally 70s looking mm-hmm. gals, which is interesting that had those two that mm-hmm. that that didn't gel either. And I don't know if it's because of her age. She was much younger than the other two or, or what. But yeah, you could definitely tell the difference between those three. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts or notes on that section before we move on to the next scene? Uh, no. Okay. So, on to the fourth one. Um, it's uh, the husband and Manali, which is the um, the mistress. So, uh, we see him go into her place, and he's a total, uh, like, pussy cuckold. And he's into, I guess, um, dominate uh, for dominating him. Uh, she's wearing the black boots. Oh, and she's drinking the green drink with the two straws. And I had laughed because you talked about the 
The two dicks. Yeah, the two dicks look like the two straws in the first scene, and then it goes back to that of Mm -hmm. of her sucking on the two straws. But also is like, if you look at it from a symbolic reference, you can see a contrast in the characters. Uh, Where Manoli, she was more like dominant and stoic, uh, while Lena was sloppy and just going all at it, you know, just like enjoying it for what it was. Yeah, Lena was always (laughs) smiling and so the other girl had no smile on her face at all. Yeah, like uh, Manoli was definitely very cold, very prim, very proper. um, And yeah, like I said, very stoic and just... um, and even like when looking at her apartment or her home, it was just very organized. Yeah. Um, the furniture was expensive. Like you could tell, like she was someone of higher class than Lena's character. Um, Good call. You yeah. can also see that as well. Yeah, so, she had the black yeah. leather bar and the black leather seats mm-hmm. and and the black leather boots. So she tells she's in the black leather, uh, mm-hmm. which is like almost a, like a dominatrix thing yeah, with the black and, leather outfits. And, and such. then you can also see, um, like even appearance wise. Um, you know, they had different, very different body types um, yeah, and time. different faces. Like, Lena was definitely a lot softer, mm-hmm. more uh, curvaceous and le- voluptuous, uh, while Manoli, she was very angular, uh, very thin. Um, yeah, longer whatnot. face. Yeah, and, longer yeah, face bone structure and, and everything. Big time, big time. Yeah, very thin and, and drawn out and stuff. And, and very much like a in charge and very, you know, the way she carried herself, like you're saying, compared to Lena. Mm-hmm. And so as those two were there, she makes him lick her boots and he's very like, oh, yes, yes, and take off her clothes. And he's like a total little put, little wimp or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as that's going on, um, Lena and um, Lola peek through the door. And uh, we laugh because you had mentioned, you're like, well, where's their locks on the door? Or where's yeah. the place in the apartment? They just like the two of them first we see just those two and they're like watching through the doorway you know which yeah is pretty funny. and then they they eventually like open the door and then the two guys from one of the earlier scenes and the maid um and the maid like all of them just like wait was the maid there too yeah because she came in because it was all seven at the end oh okay yeah so um yeah it's like they're the scooby-doo game yeah we both thought about just, that was funny like they just walk in well before they walk in they're just they open the door and they're just watching. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. Most like people a couple would, on top and a few you, below. They're yeah. You think framing. people would lock their doors, but you know, I guess not. So they're just in there just watching. And then the, um, the husband and Manoli, they don't even notice that, you know, the door is open and there's people like invading their space. Like you'd think they'd turn around and be like, Oh, we yeah. got some, we got some creepers in here watching us, but no, they're completely oblivious. So then the Scooby-Doo gang comes in and confronts, and then uh, husband is being all sad or whatever, like, Ooh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But then she's all like, oh, well, if you told me you're into this shit, we could have had some fun. So then, uh, and then, so basically just turns into some orgy thing. And But before that happens, she's all like, I don't want any sermons or whatever. So it's like. I guess in a way she's trying to like take her power back from her husband by being all like, hey, guess what? I've been doing this shit behind your back too. And guess what? I can do all kinds of weird freaky shit. uh, But don't bitch at me later on. But hey, guess what? We're going to do an orgy right now. And I'm just going to fucking prove a point. And then, you know, they all, um, all seven of them are doing it. And um, Manoli was all like pissed off at first because she was 
you know, she was the last pick. Yeah, <laughs> she was the last pick. Everybody paired off, and so, but yeah, they all they all made it work, all seven of them. But it was super weird because you know there was like some bongo drums playing oh, yeah, and call. a lot of the rubber of love. Yeah, and a lot of like chanting and moaning, and a lot of the moaning didn't even actually happen in real time. It was more like dubbed over, yeah, yeah. so it was just super awkward and weird, and um. Yeah, you just saw a lot of like small penis, balls, uh, some boobs, some ass, hairy ass, hemorrhoids, uh, hemorrhoids, bush. So it's just like a lot of that to take in, and it was extreme close-ups of all of that. Yeah, um, very so Michigan. as a viewer, you know, it's a lot to take in, and it was like a sensory overload <laughs> with, <laughs> with all that visually, and then you got like the chanting and the bongo drums. So. Um, I don't know. I guess it was supposed to be like some tantric thing going on. And as a viewer, you're supposed to be like, oh, like, yeah. wow, this is like some, some movie it. magic where where they're getting corrupted with the spirit of jazz or whatever. You yeah. know? Like, um, but really, though, um, if you're someone like me, you're just like, damn, when is this over? Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> and one thing I will say is lucky that it was a pretty short film. It was mm-hmm. under 70 minutes long, so at least, you know, and, and we did. Oh, it should have been 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and we did kind of watch part of it and fast forward a little bit just to kind of push through some of the repeated motions and stuff. Well, one thing I did like about that scene was pretty funny. They talk about the rumba of love, and they have the, like, music, and then, like, he shoots this guy's balls as they're like bouncing in time with the fucking drums. I thought it was just goofy. And which made me think like, since a lot of it's so funny and goofy, I'm curious, like I would kind of like to like go into a time machine and like go to a porno theater where guys are watching this and like see what happens if they get aroused by it or if they like try to jerk off in the theater or what, or if they're just like, what the fuck is this? And like their dicks are all getting limp and like Mm -hmm. laughing. And I don't know if it's Franco's joke, like, okay, well if I got to make porn, I'm going to make these really goofy, stupid porns. I have a question. Yes. So why why did Franco decide to make porn? Well, at this time, um, the independent cinema mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff was kind of drying up, mm-hmm. um, and basically, uh, porn. I mean, porn was always pretty big, and mm-hmm. like with Deep Throat and stuff, that mm-hmm. kind of was like a whole thing. But then by like this time here is nineteen eighty four, eighty five. A lot of the VHS porn was really popular, mm-hmm. and um, Spanish law with uh, General Franco dying and uh spain became liberated with the mm-hmm. sexuality of film and stuff so they can get away with a lot more mm-hmm. so a lot of the limitations that he had to go out of the country to do he can now do in there but also too he had got to the point where he wasn't really getting funding he was doing his own movies with his own money and stuff and mm-hmm. i think he was running out of money so he figured well shoot i'll just do these porn and just mm-hmm. do it as a paycheck and just try to keep going mm-hmm. um even though I think it diminishes your career, and believe me, I'm not a, a anti-porn at all, and, and I think it's awesome if people do it and stuff, but mm-hmm. if you want to be taken seriously, I think this almost puts like a like a certain mark on your on your filmography, especially if you do like these really amazing films that he did, and mm-hmm. he did some goofy stuff too, and bombs and all that stuff, but I don't know, I think that's, I think it does mark it, but yeah, that's basically why I think he just did it f- for the paycheck, and because... Mm-hmm. That's what people wanted to hire him for because they know of him as a as a sex person. People know mm-hmm. Franco as oh he makes this erotic cinema. Let's see if he can make stuff showing all the way, you know. Mm-hmm. But he did fall short with a lot of that, and he did do Phil films, mm-hmm. and some of the later ones, um, the Fallon Crest one and stuff is more, you know, on location and they're in wineries and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a little bigger. But yeah, these short ones with just one or two locations and just sex, 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 and no story. It's 
Gotcha. I don't know. I think it turns me off too, as it did with you. But uh, yeah, so he basically, in a nutshell, he just did it for the money. It's what the market was asking for at the time. And oh, okay. That's just what he did it for, you know. Gotcha. But yeah, so um, but yeah, so uh, also I always like to try to give compliments to things. So um, things I liked about this, I actually liked the music. Uh, he used a lot of his library tracks from past films. Uh, Girls of Copacabana. He used tracks from Apollo de Fuego. He used uh, the Manuel, one of the tracks from uh, Tender and Perverse Emmanuel. And I think uh, Eugenie is a track from that. Um, I liked Lena's fingernails in this. Her fingernails were nice mm-hmm. and manicured and, and uh, very pretty, uh, considering she was going to do a lot of fingering with her nails. So, mm-hmm. so she took care of that. Um, I liked the uh, practical lighting with the threesome scene with the maid. I mentioned that when we watched that, the mm-hmm. he uses the sunlight coming in to light the woman's ass, so he didn't he used all that, and that looked really nice. Um, I liked that bedroom that the three women were in, the yellow sheets and the the white furniture and stuff. That was pretty cool. Um, I liked all the uh, um, uncopyrighted stuff, the Beatles stuff, the Rolling Stones, Elvis, mm-hmm. and that stuff was pretty funny. Um, but it's I'm mentioning everything besides the sex stuff, so you know I always look at the whole yeah. picture and not just the action in the middle of it but um yeah that was uh my my thought on that um do you have any other notes or things uh, that you spent time writing on that you didn't cover already uh let me see here i noticed that um the scene with when it's just lena and her husband uh and she's uh, sucking him off they were playing like very angelic music oh yeah compared yeah. to all the other scenes where it was just more chaotic. So I noticed that. Oh, that's a good call, yeah. Um, and then the it was kind of weird, though, because, you know, it was playing angelic music, yet... And it was supposed to be a romantic scene between the two where, you know, they're reigniting their love and their passion. But this is... Mind you, this was before the um, confrontation where she found out... Or where, where the cheating was actually taking place. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of weird because her husband kept giggling and laughing during the blowjob so oh yeah like, like he's being kinda, tickled you that you mentioned yeah, yeah he sounded like he was being tickled so <laughs> <sighs> i know he had like a little bit of like <laughs> kind of yeah. a little goofy so little just, kid voice it was just weird like yeah, uh, yeah as an audience member <laughs> like whatever your gender is whatever your preference is um with what you're attracted to yeah it was just hard to get into that yeah <laughs> but that's good i mean it, it would be awkward if, like, we were watching this film and, you know, and, like, one of us or both of us started feeling all excited or something watching this thing and be like, oh, this is really awkward, you know? So, well, if, well, if I knew it was something I'd be into, I wouldn't watch it with anybody. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I watched this because, like, I knew it'd be different than what I personally prefer. I'm not going to talk about my preferences right. <laughs> for privacy purposes. But, um, but, yeah, I, I was... I've seen 80s porn before, but uh, I've seen better 80s porn than this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Like, um, yeah, it's just the, the story and the acting, Just I couldn't get into it, unfortunately. But, I mean, they get an A for effort. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they got in and did what, whether or not they were 
um, highly skilled or what, they still got in, like you said, mm-hmm. A for effort. They still got in and, and went through the thing. They, mm-hmm. they didn't hold back. They, they, you know. Oh, they did hold back. <laughs> they weren't really, you know, they're underperforming. Yeah. No, I mean, but they didn't like not. I, is this why it was dubbed over with like the sexies because they were underperforming so bad? So maybe they got to like go back in and dub with the, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of noise. Which is fair. <laughs> But, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm being mean today. I'll stop. No, that's okay. That's okay. I, I, you know, if to thyself be true, like I always say. So, you know, I mean, if that's what you feel, that's what you feel. Um, I'm going to go ahead and knock out the Franco list. Um, cause, uh, but one thing I actually may figure out. One thing that I will say, though, at least this film stands out to you where it's, it's left in your memory. Whether it goes away in a day or two is not. But at least, yeah. at least you're like, wow, I saw something I never saw before, um, you know. I'm going to remember this for a very long time. Because just like the hairy assholes <laughs> was like enough. And then the floppy dicks and just the amount of gossiping and talking during the sex scenes. It was just, yeah, yeah it's just that, that, that will leave a mark on me for sure. Um, but as far as Just Franco's movies go, you know, this is my second movie I've seen. So far, I got to say Bahia Blanca. That one is good. I appreciate that one a lot. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, it's not up to par, but also it's a different genre. So I'll give, I'll give Jess Franco that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was a new experience. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I said, because um, obviously his body of work um, is very expansive, and um, you know, with movie making, movies are supposed to be divisive, and not every movie is going to be um, the. Uh, every single person's taste you know and not only that but like with movies um they're meant to be divisive and as an artist or as a creative like it's important to constantly push yourself and do different genres and not always do the same exact thing every single time so i mean i can respect the fact that you know even though he does have his aesthetics and he does incorporate you know the usual actors or the usual um like things in that franco list for example Yeah, yeah like I can appreciate that, you know, he does do different things. And I think, you know, for creatives and artists, um, that's just a good mindset to have. Because if you constantly recreate the same exact thing with everything you do, like, like let's say you, you're an illustrator. If you constantly have characters that have the same exact face, like you see this even like with people who draw anime, like that shit gets really old really fast. Right, right. right? So it's really important to, you know, just keep it expansive as much as possible so much respect i no, don't like this movie but much yeah respect. no and that, that's cool and, and, and that's a really good point you made because franco does have about like six or seven different styles of films mm-hmm. that he does repeat a lot mm-hmm. and if you watch a bunch of them you'll say oh this is like this this and this and mm-hmm. this film's like this this and this and stuff so definitely having something like this is is different so mm-hmm. uh, that that is a good point and mm-hmm. and you know and it's better if if you go out and fail at least you go, went out and did it and, mm-hmm. and it shows that you know whether it's a good move or bad move, at least it's a move. And mm-hmm. and uh, one thing, too, I was going to talk about that I forgot to say, too. I think the moral of this film is basically to have communication with the person you're with mm-hmm. because you don't know what they're thinking or their person's thinking. And mm-hmm. to have a good relationship, you got to mm-hmm. be open in, in with your dialogue. And they weren't in the beginning and then by the end. Like you mm-hmm. said, she she's like, well, if you, if I knew you were into this, we could have done this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, but but the other, the other criticism I have, like, yes, I know it's a porn, so right. the point is they're all going to just have sex. Right, you can't but, judge it for that. But, yeah. like, but story-wise, I, I just didn't like how all the other characters were – 
just so one dimensional, just there to have sex. Right, cardboard and, cutouts. Yeah. And so it would have been nice. Um, a backstory, uh, yeah, because like or right, right. at the end when the the group sex happened, I, I was just kind of sitting there like, why would these two guys and why would this maid decide to come along and be like a Scooby Doo gang with Lena and her best friend? Yeah, and then. They, and then them and uh, Manoli and the husband, they all, like, get together. Like, that's just, that's pretty suspicious. <laughs> yeah, and, like, because right before that, the scene was uh, Lena and the Lola and the maid, and then it goes into the seven sum. So, like, where were those two guys at? Like, they could at least mm-hmm. been, like, walking down the street and saw them, hey, blah, 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 hey, why don't you come with us or something, and, and try to, like, do something, you know? So mm-hmm. you're, you're definitely right on that. They, they didn't really have a good transition. They were just all together now, you know? But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think... We're looking at it as a film ways, and I think people in the porno watchers probably didn't care what the fuck if there's if it makes sense or mm-hmm. if they're supposed to beat up and have that continuity, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing. So, you know, I think that's that. But yeah, no, that's that's a definitely fair criticism mm-hmm. and a fair point to that. Um, okay, well, let me go ahead and knock the Franco list out because mm-hmm. there's really not much to it on this. Yeah, one. sorry, my ADHD kind of no, derails no, things. No, okay. I no. Okay, here you go. Definitely don't, don't apologize because... I'm giving you silence now. There yeah, you go. no, please. If I wanted silence, I'd be doing it by myself, so that's good. Uh, okay, so number one on the Franco Observer checklist, uh, Body of Water. Yeah, right at the very beginning, we see an uh, ocean in the beginning. It's very pretty. Uh, so at least it starts off with some style and, and beauty. Uh, number two, sailboat. Or number three, boats. There's no boats or sailboats in the film. Uh, usually sailboats represent dreams and... Uh, Voyages and such, so there's nothing like that in here. Uh, number four, palm trees. No, I didn't catch any palm trees. Did you see anything? No. Yeah, I know they show some outside stuff, but very little, so I didn't catch that. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. That'd be no. Uh, the six. chanting scene, the orgy where they're having the bongo drums and. Oh yeah, the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's not necessarily a jungle sound per se. No, but true, but it has that kind of that rhythm of the yeah, yeah almost like a Caribbean carnival or a kind of an out-the-door thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, chained-up person. No, nobody is physically chained up, tied up, mm-hmm. uh, anything like that. Um, although those hemorrhoids should have been chained up. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage, stripping scene. No, nothing like that. A lot of nudity, but no dancing for other people or taking clothes off. Uh, number eight, club scenes, uh, dancing. Oh, sorry, I was on that. Uh, club scenes or people dancing together or a scene where they're sitting in a bar having a conversation. No. They go to the, a lot of hotel rooms and uh, the house, and that's about it. And, of course, mm-hmm. Manoli's place. Uh, number nine, jazz music. Yeah, there's actually some nice jazz tracks in this, along with other music. Um, a lot of different soundtracks that I mentioned from past Franco catalogs. Uh, number ten, excessive zooms. Uh, yes, a lot of excessive zooms. Zooming in and out of the gynecological exams, basically, you know, um, seeing... Yeah. I will not say my thanks. You already know what I think. Yeah. Let me guess. Hairy pussies, hemorrhoids, a lot of clits. And hairy assholes. And hairy assholes. And a lot of um, um, meat outside the bun, so, so, so you say. Um, a lot of outies. Uh, number 11, out of focus shots. Yeah, it's kind of sloppy on a few things. When Lena was like out of focus and like her shoulder was like in focus and stuff his some of his focus wasn't bad he was moving the camera around but there's there's quite a few out of focus shots on this because i think this was shot pretty quick i would guess this was probably shot in maybe two days or something really really quick so he, he didn't really put a lot of care into it um not a lot of cool style to it um just really basic pedestrian filmmaking uh number 12 uh mirror shots yeah there's a nice mirror shot with lena and lola um together in the 
with the mirror kind of looking at each other and that just that one scene nothing too crazy nothing outstanding but it fits the checklist uh 13 mind control theme nope nobody's under uh hypnotic spell or controlled by a machine or anything uh lena's controlled by her lust but i, I don't count that uh 14 now here's something that we're going to talk about magic tongue scenes so uh you had uh i guess i had mythologicalized or i sent the big legend of lena's magic tongue and you were like what's so magic about her tongue and, and <laughs> why, why is it a magic tongue and is it a magic tongue and I was like, well, obviously I never experienced it, but <laughs> to me, magic tongue is that she always brings joy with her tongue in the un-X-rated films. Her tongue's always uh, going in or places that it shouldn't go and, uh, and seducing people with her tongue. She, uh, she wags it to bring people to her and you know does little things playful with her tongue. Uh, and this, she's just basically using her tongue as a, as a rag. It's a tool. Yeah, yeah, wiping up and down, licking up and down. Uh, not, not really... I think, but it's interesting because it's almost like stripping. It's, it's the attraction is more in what you don't see than when you finally see it. You're like, oh, okay. You know, it kind of takes away the magic mm-hmm. of seeing it in action. So I would say that um, what you imagine and then what you see maybe turns into two different things. So she might have lost a little bit of her power by uh, letting it work a little too much. You know, it, it definitely got to work out in this film. I, I don't know about that for me it's just more like I just don't think she's very skilled to yeah. be honest but that's just my opinion yeah. but I mean if other people think it's magical that's that's cool but yeah, for yeah. me I'm just yeah her technique uh, but also too this is one performance so uh, yeah. I, maybe we can't destroy the legend with one film so I'll give her a benefit of doubt yeah, for like here. another movie yeah, yeah, yeah. But did I see her t- did we see her tongue in Bahia Blanca I can't remember mm, I don't have the list in front of me but I, I don't think so mm. yeah, she kisses the guy and stuff but she doesn't bring it out or anything she just okay. doesn't like the kissing scene i think that's about yeah. it but no yeah I, I like her tongue in her mouth like that yeah yeah well now when she's like a mute and actually i think wasn't her tongue cut out in bahia blanco or they talk about her tongue being cut and that's why she's a mute but i might no. be mistaken i'm not sure i but think I, th- I think they were just trying to make it seem like she was slow okay maybe yeah. it was yeah it was either trauma or, or, or being slow or something that's mm-hmm. right uh okay 15 uh red light there's there's no red light shining in anything in this uh 16 uh sheepskin rug no no sheepskin rug that's she did masturbate with a cigarette though hey thank you i was gonna say no i know there's masturbation there you go. good call but she was also like yeah she yeah she kind of rubs it yeah which is true she masturbates not her vagina as much but with her nipple with them yeah, awesome thank you see that's another golden one. star for you yeah you, you got one that i totally spaced <laughs> for all my shit talking <laughs> that's it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of masturbation, but then there wasn't actually a sea item of cigarettes, so that also works. Awesome. Uh, 17, mad scientist and a servant. No, uh, no mad scientist, no servant. However, in a way, Manoli, she was kind of like a dominatrix. Yeah. So if you're looking at a power dynamic where that's true. of a mad scientist and a servant, you got the dominatrix and the husband, who's a bit of a cuck. So, yeah. No, that's interesting because Kali had said the episode before she had mentioned the mad scientist and servant for the two characters. I didn't see it, and then you saw it as well. So that's interesting. It's from the female point of view. So you know, I, I, I could definitely vibe with that. Definitely. Uh, Eighteen fish tank shots. No, there's a lot of shots of fish, but no fish tank shot. Sorry. Uh, Nineteen talking parrot. No, there's no talking parrot. No talking birds. No talking assholes. No talking pussies. Just no talking. But but there's a lot of talking with Lena and her friend. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 
uh, 20 end credits, yes or no? Yes, it says Finn, F-I-N. Uh, and also, too, this, this film ends the same way uh, Lula's uh, asshole ends is with a, in my opinion, a very gross um, cum scene. And then it says, like, Finn with, like, this splooge all over the scene. Splooge with a hairy asshole? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I, I, and I'm not turned off by ejaculation in a film but just when it's just sitting there and just you see the credits it's just like wipe it up you know fuck get it over with um yeah and yeah the germs and everything else uh 21 handwritten notes no 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 handwritten signs cheesy stuff no nothing like that in this um 22 spiral staircase shot no no spiral staircase shot, but there was a spiral hemorrhoid shot. But no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 23, inept cops. No, there's inept cocks, but no inept cops. <laughs> <laughs> nice pun. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been getting a little quicker with my wits as I've gotten stronger in my sobriety. Uh, 24, uh, belly chains. Uh, no, no, no belly chains. There's a little bit of a belly in this film, but no belly chains. So no body jewelry of any kind. All right, 25, kinks. Let's see. The feather duster. Yeah, so there's dominatrix, there's S&M, the mm-hmm. licking of the shoes. He mm-hmm. has a foot fetish, obviously. Mm-hmm. Dominating, mm-hmm. Uh, cuckold, um, feather duster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see what else would some of the kinks be. Uh, voyeurism. I, uh, yeah, voyeurism because they're watching through the doorway mm-hmm. at him doing the thing. Uh, and then I guess, I don't know if a kink is group sex, but I you know throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's probably. A, mm, let me think. What else? Do 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 do. Lena. Uh, yeah, just you no. Know, I think it's group sex would just be that. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about most of the kinks that you know. It'd be actually be good if they had some songs by the Kinks in it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty six great headboards. I actually liked a few of the headboards in this film. Uh, I liked the headboard in the yellow room. It was kind of cool. Um, Lena's headboard with her husband's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm always a big fan of cool headboards. Uh, 27, fear or desire? I'd say, well, see, here's the thing. I said desire, but then there could be fear because Lena's fearful of her marriage and mm-hmm. what's going on. So she does something to alleviate her fear mm-hmm. by going toward desire. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's a little bit of both in this. I said first off desire, but then as I think More about so it, desire. I yeah, because yeah. it's all the sex and everything. But there is the fear of, of her husband and mm-hmm. what they're going through. So. Um, 28 acoustic guitar player. No, nobody's physically strumming a acoustic guitar on the film. But someone's strumming with their tongue. Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of them actually. Yeah, and and, and I said and last, flute playing too with yeah. their tongue. <laughs> That's what I was going to say in the last <laughs> last review. I said uh, there's a a skin flute being played, and they also play the ball sax. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. And uh, 29 um, reading a book scene. No, um, Lola knits when Lena comes and visit her but she's never reading a book um, no nobody is reading at all in this film and finally number 30 pee scene there's nobody talking about having to go pee or peeing or anything like that so luckily there's no golden showers in this film I thought there would be considering some of the other things that we've seen but mm-hmm. yeah there's uh, a lot of unsanitary things but no urine so mm-hmm. so you're in luck for having no urine so all right. I like telling a joke and it ends to silence. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. All right. You Tip talk, your ears. You talk so quietly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in the microphone. I feel like so. I'm the one like screaming into the microphone uh, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I know you should be on stage yelling, Yeah, come on, motherfuckers. You know, it's funny. 
for, I know for being someone that's so stoic, you like to scream. That's interesting. It's a oh, no, contrast. No, this is just my trauma coming out. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> well, you know, at least if you watch a film and it moves you in either way of revulsion or disgust or happiness or shock, at least a movie you feel something then at least it's worth something so i'll i will give it that you know well um i'm also glad that um i didn't have lunch yet because yeah. i probably like yeah i feel like yeah yeah some of the things yeah. i know we had a little popcorn before and even i had finished it before like the first scene i was yeah. thinking to myself God, i'm glad i finished this now because i would have been like oh you know yeah i'm not enjoying that so yeah <laughs> well, um, I will say again, thank you very much for taking this uh, voyage with me, uh, kind of a rocky voyage. It like, wasn't too rocky. It was more like flaccid. Yeah. <laughs> Floppy. <laughs> it's almost like you're driving down an area that's kind of weird and you're kind of like looking, but you want to keep your windows rolled up. And that's kind of like this film, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like we're not really sightseeing too much. We're trying to hurry up and get through the area to get to the next destination mm-hmm. so i would say that's uh but you know sometimes in 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 life you have to go through certain valleys in order to reach the hill so you know mm-hmm. I, I guess this is a valley and uh there is some good films ahead still he has a couple that are good but uh this is getting toward the end of his career so i think his best films were behind him mm-hmm. but uh, there there are some good ones ahead still so mm-hmm. um so yeah are there are there a lot of like fans of his porn i'm curious well, from the reviews I've read and stuff, no. A lot of times people are curious, mm-hmm. like we are, to see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And then after they watch it, they're just kind of like, huh. Oh, okay, okay, so no, one, no one's going to come for me. No, no. <laughs> if you go on Letterboxd and look at some of the stuff, which I've read some of the stuff, people are like, wow, this is really bleak. And I didn't think this. And wow, I was expecting mm-hmm. this. And like the last film about the talking asshole, people mm-hmm. are like, wow, there's a movie with Lena has a talking asshole. And then when you watch it, you're just like, oh, okay. Mm, yeah. It's more about curiosity. It's almost like we talked about. It's once you see it, you're like, oh, okay. It's yeah. I, I, I'd rather not seen it, seen it, and like had the fantasy of it and mm-hmm. wonder until you, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like a bad sex partner. It's like, wow, that really sucked. You know, mm-hmm. after you do it, you're like, fuck, okay, whatever. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, thank you, Miss Teresa, for joining thank me you. on this voyage of uh, between pricks walks the game and. Uh, I think she had no problem walking between the pricks because the pricks were pretty flaccid and limp. <laughs> so I think she was able to navigate through those. So yeah, but too bad she don't got much game either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, sorry. I hear you. <laughs> right, but let's end it on a compliment. Her wig stayed on the whole film. Yes. And all this stuff of her head moving all different ways. The wig didn't mm-hmm. slip. It also she didn't flip her wig. So that's that's a nice thing. So mm-hmm. all right. Well, here's on to better films. Cheers. Buenas noches, maha. Bye. Bye.